yeah, you don't think um, you don't think all of these all of these cold opens into storyline are getting a little bit complex and hard to follow for new listeners, do you? Nah, it's fine. They'll pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you reckon they'll pick it up? Yeah, no. Just, all they have to do they'll is listen, and then and then after after those segments, there's like, um, you know, then we actually go into the podcast proper, and they actually, nah, it's fine. They'll they'll work it out. Um, I just don't, I just don't like the thought of a new listener kind of just being hit with something really, really heavy, like really, really early on, and then just being like, what the fuck, and not being able to follow it, and just switching off. But if they just brave it through, they'll be fine, won't they? Absolutely fine. Let's get back to the beginning and this the whole story. What you mean? All all several hours of the part? No, no. What you need to do is you need to put obvious hooks in each and every storyline that makes it easy for them to follow what's going on. That's that's. Well, just I listen say. to the last Christmas special. Yeah, that that that'd do yeah. it, and then just every episode after then. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. And now JFabe continues with a very special episode. And so, Nigel, as I, Triple H, established just moments ago in this very conversation, here at the WWE Performance Center, we need you to retrieve the other glove in order to fix it. Oh, wacky bomb. Well, I, Nigel McGuinness, could jump in my retardis, the only known interdimensional ship in the galaxy which I left on a beach at the end of the Wrestle Kingdom episode at the start of 2020 and is presumably still there. I could then use said retardis to travel to Jesse the Body Ventura's robot body shop emporium in the Snarflug dimension where the other glove is stored and retrieve it. That sounds like a great idea. Okay then. I'll just reach into my pocket where I presume the retardis keys will remain undisturbed and... Strike a light! They've gone! Oh, isn't that a quandary? Gold dust! Yeah, yes, I have been here all this time. I know, mate, but honestly, I just forgot you were there. It happens to a lot of us when we're in WWE-owned buildings. Hi, guys. Alistair Black. <laughs> no time for you, whoever you are. Oh, yes, quite. Throughout history, my family... The Nightmare. He means Rhodes. Oh, shut up, Levesque, you muggle. Some of us were born into royalty. We didn't fuck our way to the top. Oh, we got you there, Trips, <laughs> didn't he? He did. But our patented parental guidance field managed to censor it before it could hurt my ego. So, anyway, <sighs> the Rhodes family have been tracking a group of people known as the Organization. The organization? Yes. It's a collective of fans, journalists, and even some product owners who are trying to manipulate the fabric of our industry. We believe uh, it was this organization who advised Corey Graves and Dave Meltzer to betray us and steal your retardis. So without the retardis, we're basically screwed. Not fully. You see, Jesse the Body Ventura isn't the only one who's been collecting wrestling memorabilia. <sighs> Welcome to the WWE Archive. Everything the WWE wants to keep 
hidden from the general public is right here. This place is massive. An entire section dedicated to Ric Flair's DUIs. Oh, already shot footage from the Shane and Stephanie incest angle. (laughs) Over here is where we keep our most prized artifact. In the Jesse Ventura wing. Jesse Ventura gets a whole wing. It's mostly just old pay-per-views they've edited his voice out of for the network. Except over here, underneath this tarp, which I shall pull off presently. <gasps> oh! Oh my God! That's amazing. Is that Jesse the Body Ventura's robot body shop in Borium? Assuredly. Uh... But uh, how can this? 3D painting, help us. That's not a 3D painting. That's a Snarflurgian stasis slide. Jesse the Buddy Ventura assured me his robot body shop emporium's laboriously curated story is unavoidably in this portrait. Hang on. There's a date in the top right-hand corner. July 3rd, 2019. Oh, I love that episode. Ira Glassbot is my favourite. A Snarflurgian stasis slide isn't just a 3D photograph. It's a moment in time, preserved in a quantum matrix. All you need to step into it is an anti-time glove. The glove of Rousseau. You have it with you. Consider it a gift from the Nightmare family. I need both gloves before Khan can get them. And Khan would like the gloves before the McMahons. Which family are you loyal to, Nigel? The Indies, where you wrestled your greatest moments. Or the company, where your future lies. Hecky bum! It's a conundrum. But why me? You're not of this universe. If, if we travel interdimensionally uh, without a retardus while the rift is up, uh, then bacteria will eat our face. Uh, How very narratively convenient. Oh well, guess I've got to make a decision then. Chim chimney. And now, J-Fabe with Rich and Jay. Welcome to J-Fabe. My name is Rich. Jay doesn't have his um, microphone down, so he, I'm sure he'll join us at some point. How are we all doing? Hope we're all enjoying the wrestling. Everything's great, Rich. Yeah? Yeah, everything's yeah, great, Yeah, I don't Jay? think I need my microphone. That's true. You probably don't need your microphone because I think yeah. you're going through your PC. But, yeah. So, lots of stuff going on. Lots of <laughs> war games going on. Lots of, Lots of interdimensional shenanigans I'm probably sure are happening elsewhere that we're totally not party to but maybe the audience are who knows and um, yeah just um, gearing up for our totally not happening Christmas special that's not happening Um, this week of course we've got some AEW stuff going off we've got some um, NXT stuff going off there's some shenanigans with impact Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a great show guys gonna be a great show Really glad you could join us on your commute to your home office because everyone's still in. Commute to nowhere. Yeah, commute <laughs> to nowhere. Jay, how you how you finding how you finding December um, while we're still here with no vaccine? 
Well, there it's is a vaccine, fun. but it's not coming to us. It's fun. I really enjoy being in tier three lockdown. Yeah, you get to sit inside, mm. living room, and work in the living room, yeah. and do everything in your living room. It's great. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of cool. I, I don't know. Do you know how something's like a massive dream? Um, to like, um, and I'm I'm not actually I'm not actually just dropping hooks for a Christmas special here. I'm actually saying, do you know when life's like because it's like been a dream for a long time to be able to work from home, and then when you actually get it, <laughs> <laughs> when you actually get it, and you realise the mechanics, the transaction, the actual transactional mechanics of it is to just sit at home and never see anybody um, and stare at a screen. <laughs> Like, I literally spend roughly 16 hours a day now staring at screens um, and doing nothing else. I'm in heaven, mate. I'm in heaven, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the rest of this country is not. I think I'll be a part of that. Yeah, I want to go back to the office. I'm sick of it, really. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I, I think it's got, it, it humanises us, mate. It humanises us. I mean, especially you. You need humanising because I'm just a clone, right? So, yeah. You know. Yeah, you are just a clone, Rich. No one's ever hurt me so much. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, dear me. So, it's a Saturday morning this time. We're both sober, um, which... I, I assume Jay's sober at least. Jay, are you sober? Well, that's questionable. Oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> more sober than we would usually be when we usually record on a Saturday afternoon. So um, you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> we, might, we might remain coherent for the full... Um, I haven't had a drink since I woke up, so that's okay. That's cool. I'm just um, going to have some orange juice and nothing else. No. Mm, that's cocoa more good. Um, <laughs> so, what games happened this week, Jay? I believe you watched it. Well, it happened last Sunday, but I guess that's this week. Yeah, well, it's this week for us because it technically happens on Monday morning, and as we know, the the week starts on a Monday. Um, so, what are we going to go through? Some results for War Games. Talk about your impressions of it. Um, I'll blag that I also watched it. Okay, bringing up some sure, results. Do <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, do anything. Games results. There's, no, there's no clicking going on. Excellent. War Games results. NXT Takeover War Games results. Um, cool. So, um, now my understanding is that they actually. I'm really glad we didn't air our um, NXT War Games preview show um, because we did say in that when we recorded it and decided against airing it that they will probably finish with the Women's War Games match. But my understanding from what I'm looking at is that we actually started with yeah, the Women's War right. Games match. Yeah, that's right. That correct? It was the first one. It was, it was, it was yeah, definitely Fair the play. first one. Um, so it looked like, looks like they're going for a Royal Rumble style um a Royal Rumble style format with this, um, with these special matches things now, where it is just kind of you have either the women's or the man's as the starting match, and then the, and then the man's or the woman's alternatively as the ending match to kind of bookend it. I suppose that's a pretty by the numbers approach. What do you think to this whole WWE being fairly predictable with how they structure their shows? Well, it's just to make it fair, isn't it? I guess the women are equal to men. 
So, um, yeah. So it, you it, basically you just kind of alternate between those two structures where the men finish or the women finish. I think that's fine, but my concern is for the my concern is for the actual show pacing itself, um, because what you end up with, um, I mean, is a show that does not organically. Um, reach a crescendo and a peak what you, what you end up with is effectively a show that hits one peak and then like I mean for instance this women's war games match which is effectively the main, ev- the main event of the women's division in NXT at this time is followed up by um, you know a grade B match between Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher which I mean no, no offence to either Tommaso Ciampa or Timothy Thatcher it's just you're going from six people in a cage throwing everything they've got at each other to what is a slow and methodical match. You know what I mean? And like traditionally you would have the special the special matches in a wrestling card kind of up later on. You know I get what you're saying, but you don't you don't want to watch two more games feel about after that? each other. Well yeah, that's the other problem. Um, so it's almost like WWE are kind of bat themselves into a corner, um, which has forced us to have. Because I mean, there's so many, there's so many pay per views now which are based around a special type of match rather than um, anything else. And I feel that that cheapens the impact of the special type of match because, like, you get your Hell in a Cell, for instance, where it is kind of like. Oh, okay. Hell in a Cell's round. Let's let's take all of our feuds and just squeeze them into the, that format, rather than actually building a match into something. Putting uh, the match it. there. Yeah. A special um, feeling. So I suppose you know, it's, like it's saying, just. Yeah, it's just. With them actually giving it a name of the match, it really doesn't help the match itself because people are just going to get bored of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and now the actual format itself is feeling generic because there's so many special match main events. Um, ironically, the one that does do well every year, the Money in the Bank one, traditionally, they usually have a main event and the Money in the Bank match is in the middle of the show, um, or they have done in the past, and that's usually the one that does the best out of all of these special format kind of pieces. So, what does that sell you? Um Right, anyway, Shitsy Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai um, faced off against Candice LeRae, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez in um, Women's War Games. Jay, how did you feel this? Um, I mean, Blackheart obviously came out in a tank, um, and it was a new and improved tank. It was a bigger tank. She made it with her bare hands. Something new for the merchandise guys. Did she? Did she? Did she? Um, how do you reckon she? She well, she, she, she kind well, of got all the bits together for that. Do you reckon she hoard hoard herself out on um, on OnlyFans or something to get to get all those bits of? Yeah, just in a different name. Yeah, probably. Um, cool. How did, how did this match speak to you? Because it didn't say much to me. Uh, <laughs> oh damn it! Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was over a week ago, but the standout was Raquel Gonzalez. Easily, easily the standout of this match. Yeah. I believe she started. She didn't start. Dakota Kai started. See, memories should have made some notes. 
Yeah, but I I I heard that I heard that Michelle Gonzalez um, Michelle Gonzalez gave the heels the momentum with her size. That's that's the notes that I wrote, <laughs> um, from CBSSports.com. Well, if we're doing that, then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so if Raquel Gonzalez is kind of the she, she put me in the breakout the, of the two, of uh, match, you'd think that Cody Kai would be the one, mm. and the Shawn Michaels role would be the one to break out. But you, you're looking at Raquel Gonzalez, and she's just improving week after week. Mm. Um, do you think she's ready for the Not big yet, time, no. or where do you reckon she is now? She's she's just on her way. Yeah, just on her way, kind of up. Probably get a title um, match soon. I don't think she's going to win, but yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, my understanding is that um, she's not um, she's an ex basketball player, but um, and that's kind of the furthest she ever went before the May Young Classic in 2016. Um, so she's pretty much a blank slate, which WWE haven't done bad with blank slates before. Um, at least when they've gone straight into the performance center, um, sometimes um, it can actually work out better than than an indie darling. But this, like, if there is a definition of a blank slate. Um, as in never before um even done a even done a um Irish style lockup in a ring before stepping into the performance center. Michelle Gonzalez is an example of that. Um but she's got nothing accredited to her outside of WWE ever. So it, I think I think from that perspective, seeing how the performance center um works, I reckon that she's a really good test. Yeah, case. I mean you got Raquel Gonzalez but then you had Baron Corbin as well. I think he was a clean slate when he went in. Mm. Look at him now, yeah, he's, he a was, and, um, he's a king. Honestly speaking, well, I'd, see, a lot of people have been quite critical of Baron Corbin, and I kind of get it, um, but part of that is bad booking on WWE's part. He's had a lot of that. Um, like they've relied on him quite heavily. Um, but I've always I've always rated his in ring ability, and I've always rated his well, all right, they're not maybe always rated his in ring ability, but. He's one of those people who are just about as interesting as the person he's facing against. So as long as he's not in a 16-year feud with Roman Reigns, then he's fine. You know? He's alright. I mean, I prefer NXT Baron Corbin to King Corbin, but... Well, yeah, but, I mean, that's the point of making him a heel, right? And shaving all his hair off and... Um, he didn't. He didn't have any hair. That's that's the problem. That was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It was. It was thinning pretty, pretty, pretty noticeably. Um. So Shirai and Larray, um, they ended up being the last two in the ring. Um. Was this? Because I mean, this feels like something that we've seen quite a bit recently. Um. And when I say recently, I mean in the last two years. Um. What are your what are your general thoughts of these guys doing their thing? From what I remember, it was it was, it was a good match. Um, it was well paced as well. It seems that they've mm. got the war games down now. NXT with the pacing because there was mm, the, the pacing issue in the in the first couple of ones. It wasn't wasn't massive, but yeah, these women got it down to a T. Um, big spots um, include Blackheart placing Larray between two chairs and jumping off a ladder um, to go for a um, senton, but not 
recovering for the full. Um, back and forth, um, followed that, and then um, finisher, um, one-handed slam through a, um, a ladder um, from Gonzalez to Shirai, um, and that was what ended the match with the final, um, with the final one, two, three, as it were. Um, many people are saying that. And when I say many people, I'm again referring specifically to CBSSports.com, um, which is where I'm getting my notes for this. Um, the match was absolutely insane and proved it likely there should have been in the main event. Um, would you say that this match would have done better in the main event than the actual main event? Um, no, could, yeah, completely agree. It was, it was more entertaining than the men's one. Um, yeah, they, they should have switched it. Mm. It's part of that because the men's one was um, falling into um, its typical kind of because th- there's now a pattern for a war games match, right? Um, and it usually involves the undisputed era. Um, it, is that what we're looking at? Is is it just kind of we've seen the undisputed era now in four of these war games matches? Maybe they should mix it up a little bit, but it's literally they're they're only four man team in NXT, so mm. they're going to find someone to go against. Them. It's just how it how it goes until they got yeah, some main roster. Um, I don't think so, see anyone else in the men's war games. That's fair. So after this, Tommaso Ciampa um, faced Timothy Thatcher um, in a much slower, more methodical match. I've heard, um, which got increasingly brutal, possibly taking cues from the match between Walter and um, Ilja Dragunov um, in its actual pacing. Um, how did you find this match? Um, I'm assuming we're talking with with these two stars um, and their pedigree. We're talking methodical um, Greco-Roman slash um, slash pseudo-European strong style um, mixing um, in a brutal back and forth. Well, you've just got that down to a T. That's exactly what happened. There we go. Um, <laughs> um, all in all, would you would you say that this was from uh, from that? Yeah, from that. So I know I keep losing you. Okay. Um, well, from that perspective, would you say that it was just your standard? <clears throat> um, well, not just standard, but I mean, sixteen minutes forty six seconds. Really, something to just get the real wrestling fans involved after what was effectively a thirty-five minute spot fest, um, and generally just kind of legitimise the rest of the product around a very traditional but very brutal style European match. I think Jay is confirming that. Um, moving on. Dexter Loomis faced against Cameron Grimes in a strap match. I've always hated strap matches. Um, I've always found strap matches difficult. Um, I I don't think that there's... They come from this era of wrestling where... um, They come from this era of wrestling where there is this... um, I don't know, I always think kind of horrible, smoky, 80s-style gyms. Blood feud, yeah... um, uh, it just reminds me if you go into the network right far down into the network um there are like loads of um there are loads of kind of third rate territory um places like um AWA and um similar where 
the the product is fine um, and the in-ring product is fine but the general feel of it is that it's a grotty gym in the middle of Nova Scotia in the 1980s and strap matches always to me bring back images of that for f definitely for worse not for better um, it's, all, it's, it's all good bring, Jay, bringing back old gimmicks but I think this one is definitely outdated but if done properly mm. is a really good match but uh, this wasn't really done properly yeah and I struggle with the idea of um, because you're getting this a lot now and sometimes it, you get your hits you get your war games match and you get your um you get your two out of three falls matches and stuff like that and what I think we're getting and we're getting this from both sides is this need to revisit the 80s um, like from both um, Vince McMahon's camp as well as AEW's camp um, and you're seeing it um, obviously you've seen it in the way that they've structured their faces and heels for a while in fact WWE are only just kind of now trying to break that with the Roman Reigns thing Um but effectively, that to me is one of the things that's holding wrestling back to some degree. Is that there is this constant need to relive the glory years, and it, and it feels like at the moment the big glory years that everyone's trying to revisit is that nineteen eighties territory thing. Um, and I get it, but I kind of yeah, I I, I it's like. If all of the product is just aping nostalgia, um, and this, again, um, understand this on every conceivable level, if all, the, if all the product is just nostalgia, then where do you go? Hmm. Well, I've only really been noticing it since AEW, and NXT, when since AEW have been pushing 80s style, NWA style mm. themes. With the dark color match. And having the time limits mm. and time limit draws. So they're the ones that are already pushing this in the forefront. And then you've got NXT coming behind copying them, which is what they're effectively doing. And They've been using more tag team matches as well. So it's like they're trying to catch up with the viewers because they're tuning into AEW Dynamite and NXT are trying to duplicate that mm. bit in their own style. But it isn't working. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's struggling. And I think, um, like, I mean... I suppose WWE have been doing it in their mainline product, but in a very different way, um, because obviously Cena was basically an attempt to re replicate Hulk Hogan in a in a PG-friendly kind of way, um, and eventually, obviously, he, he kind of made his way through it and legitimised himself um, through his work rate, um, whereas... You know, Roman Reigns failed effectively because it was, it was um, a transparent attempt to do the same. Um, this is Roman Reigns as a face... And I just, I just get worried that the wrestling industry itself kind of packages nostalgia quite heavily. Um, whereas, if you were to remove that nostalgia element, I think most products um, will probably find a very bright future. Were they to follow more like New Japan Pro Wrestling's model, more um, sport based, or or similar, where where yeah, more sport based or more um, definitely. I mean, you can still have the gimmicks, but maybe just a legitimate more MMA infused style um, which I mean NXT UK and Jay will argue 205 Live have both um, at times kind of approached that as a um, sorry I'm speaking for you there but I'm sure you agree <laughs> um, they've both approached that kind of in ring feel um, without necessarily aping the 80s and 
um, the actual in-ring product has been better as a result. And I think that's probably proven by, um, obviously, Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher as well. I'm nodding. You can't see it. I'm Dexter nodding. Dexter Lumis versus Cameron Grimes, <laughs> though, um, in a strap match. <laughs> this, this, I assume, is... Um, Probably best considered as as kind of a as kind of um, a spot fest mixed with an old school wrestling strap match, effectively. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a Spanish fly in it, so not really old style. It, it's more mixing the old with the new, but it didn't yeah. really didn't really click with me. If, if you are going to go into a strap match, I know we've just spoke about nostalgia and how everyone's doing that, but if you, if you are going to do a strap match, you have to do it in the, an old style. And there has to be blood. It has to be the most brutal match that you've seen in that night. Because if you turn down a strap match, mm. to I'm going to hit you with it a little bit and steer you, and then get hit with a Spanish fly, what's, what's the point of having a strap? Yeah, that's fair. Um, do, how do you think it compares to the other most recent strap match um, that we've had, which is obviously um, Brody um, Lee versus um, versus what's his face um, Cody Rhodes? That's it. That's it. Oh, how could I forget? Um, in the dog chain match, <laughs> how can you forget King Cody? Sorry, Prince Cody. Um, <clears throat> they they took that more NWA sudden style approach to it mm. so I, I would say that AEW they had a dog color match and it was it was better than the strap match in NXT cool um, well then moving on um, North American Championship uh, just the psychology of it was, was was better I think that's what you're seeing is um, it's and, and it kind of exemplifies the different approach between NXT and AEW I think at the moment um, is this idea of um uh, the matches in NXT you can tell are kind of put together to try and put the product itself over, whereas in AEW people are given more kind of free reign um, to put the match over and make the match seem as as legitimate as possible um, within the within the boundaries of the format, I suppose. And I, I think that's what NXT are missing that. Um, Everything's kind of feels like it's it's a group of matches that are all slotted together and made to made to kind of be that generic. What's happened to NXT? <laughs> it's I don't know. I don't know. But I I have not felt compelled to watch NXT for a while. Um and when I do watch NXT yeah, when I do watch NXT, it feels like a very watered down main roster at times. Um, yep, or maybe a style. early nineties RAW sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're looking at production style um, being incredibly generic now and conformant to the rest of the rest of Kevin Dunn's output. Um, you're looking at presentation style of the arena being very similar to the, it's just a smaller Thunderdome, which I think the lack of new full sale university has been, um, has been obviously detrimental to the product feel as a whole. It's, I felt that if anything could have, 
if anything could have benefited from a raw underground underground style feel um and i don't mean this in a um oh, thank I god that's finished yeah i don't mean this in the way that they <laughs> executed it but if anything could have benefited from their set being made into a grimy underground fight club um then nxt would have been the one and i feel that they missed the boat on that um because what like wxw now, yeah, um, I mean, you're looking. You're looking at um, kind of. I liked it when there were the glass. When there were the glass walls up, and there was the um, and there was the wire mesh cage um, while they were while they were bringing up the um, the retribution, who we'll talk about later. Um, I liked that feel to it because it did feel like an underground. Um, like an underground fight club to a bit, and I wanted them to kind of focus on those those elements and actually create something that felt unique and didn't feel quite as polished as WWE. But it looks like they've gone the other way, and are now NXT again is just WWE light as a result. Yeah, no, I feel the same way about that. No, mm. no counter argument, nothing that you spot on. Fair play, fair play. Um, God, we should do we should do morning recordings more often. Leon Ruff versus Damian Priest <laughs> versus Johnny Gargano, North American Championship match. Um, Definitely the afternoon next time. <laughs> <laughs> thoughts, Jay? Thoughts on this Gargano um, Ruff Priest thing? Um, am I? I'm already tired of Damian Priest. Yeah, he's a bit just say, meh. I was it, very excited when Damien Priest was coming in. Uh, Punishment Martinez was one of the standout stars in ROH at the time when mm. he when he came across, and so it was like, wow, they've got Punishment Martinez. He's gonna light up NXT, and he's just he's just slotted in. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and they're giving him the razor's edge, and they call it the razor's edge. It's like you want to do razor Ramon? Yeah. It's like, mm. Thanks, Sean. No. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It, it just feels like they've they like there's there's a saying on other more successful podcasts, um, such as Bruce Pritchard's Thingy Bob, um, where they talk about <laughs> a wrestler comes into WWE and they go into the back and they reach into a big box of gimmicks and then just like, yeah, no, now you're, now you're Razor Ramon or, yep, yeah, now you're the evil clown or this is starting to feel like a modern version of that at times. It's like that meme with the starter kit. It's like an NXT starter kit um, for somebody above six, uh, above six foot is a leather jacket um Music by CFO or somebody that is aping CFO, um, a a bit of a um, unusual Titantron or effect when they enter, and then a series of moves that are effectively just a palette swap from um, from a '90s superstar, with a few shining wizards thrown in. I mean, and a spinning kick. Yeah, and a spinning kick, lots of super kicks, and 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 that's what Damian Priest feels like. He feels like. He's been made to feel like, effectively, generic creator wrestler number four in, you know, a 2K game. Who laughs a lot. And he laughs a lot, yeah. Um, and he's and that's laughing now. That's the frustrating thing is that he's got so much charisma, um, because you can feel the charisma, but what he's been made to do is so fucking goofy 
and so fucking pointless and so meaningless and so out of the box that he's not making an impact for me. Um, and when I say impact, I do mean the verb and not the show, which we will probably talk about later. Um, <laughs> 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 anyway, my understanding of this is that it's your standard three-way match. There's a lead pipe involved, um, and Johnny Gargano wins. Um, yep. Any standout moments? Um, I believe we got a bit more ghost of a Ghost further... Austin Theory, but there's more ghost, ghost faces, so Austin are there more theory. people joining the Gargano way? Who knows? Probably, because they there need were to more ghost Yeah, so they need they, to they set up really something for the next War Games, right? What have a mix, mixed persons war game? Um, well, no, but they, that's they literally the next step. They should do that. I intergender wrestling, right? How do you yeah. do that? I mean, intergender war right, games is, that the, is intergender the right way to go? Um, and I think WWE have wrestled with this. They wouldn't, you, <laughs> they wouldn't do it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, no. Um, it's a really difficult one to be fair. Um, I don't think we're going to solve it in the in our ninety minutes. So let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, all in all, this is standard Gargano affair at this point, isn't it? Um, nothing too much to write home about. Or did you enjoy it? Or I don't enjoy NXT anymore. <laughs> Men's War Game Undisputed Era versus Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch How did that go? I mean it was pretty decent Obviously Pat McAfee was, was last in um, mm. Obviously because he's not a wrestler But yeah. it looked like he was refusing to do spots When he was um, in the ring Like okay. He was meant to take a table spot I think he was meant to be a suplex, a top rib suplex into the table. Mm. But instead, you just had Adam Cole push him off and he just jumped back into the table. Which okay. looked pretty weak. But I think he grew his balls back because he ended up doing a swanton off the cage. So, which no one caught him. <laughs> he hit, he hit <laughs> the mat. Wow. <laughs> I, he's, he's a bit of a weird one. I think that he is somebody who, like, his body and his form are correct for wrestling and he, what do you do when you have this situation where he's I mean body wise because of his experience sport wise um, in previous sports and you know the fact that effectively he's one of the most um, I don't want to say successful is probably the wrong word but one of the most well known football personalities um, in America already so mm. His actual his actual cardio and his and his physical training are already at the stage that you would expect to see on a John Cena, um, which is very unusual for NXT because you know most of these people, uh, many of the people who come into NXT, are usually the type of guys that you would um, that you would typically associate with working in a butcher's every day except Saturday when they go to ROH and do a show, um, you know. In the, in this case, he's got the body that's physically trained to the degree that he can be an Adam Cole, or he can be. But he's got the experience of effectively a, a you know, a, a, a relatively new to wrestling kind of guy. He's only got two years' experience in the ring, so I think you're probably going to end up with these situations where his his he can physically do something, and he's physically expected to do something, but his ex, his in ring experience is not maybe reflective of that. Mm. What do you, what's your thoughts? 
I'm nodding again. No, the uh, <laughs> so yeah. So obviously, his ability to talk on the microphone is phenomenal, amazing. But his primary skills to his wrestling skills, they don't match yet. Mm. And that's um, that's the problem with Pat McAfee. Yeah, um, and but I, his name, but his, his name in general, will bring in viewers. His name holds value. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, a yeah. lot of value. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's what we're talking about here. People say that Pat McAfee is the total package, and I would I would tend to agree with them, except on the point that the wrestling experience that he has is the one thing holding him back because on the mic and physically he has got the experience on those things from his own personal projects which would take a standard WWE wrestler who's just been going through the developmental system would take them years to get that level of experience on but his in-ring ability is probably makes him the least experienced person in that ring at any given moment and that's it that's showed. the dichotomy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he, he wasn't protected in any way, shape, or form like he was in the match against Adam Cole. His inexperience just, you could see it. It just shone through. There's no saving him. That's, that's fair. Um, maybe it is better for them to um, keep surrounding him by um, these more experienced in ring people um, and keeping the group still together. Too. It's not disbanded after War mm. Games. They're still healing it up. Yes. So all you've got to do really is kind of tone down the amount of um, big um, schmoz style um, matches with multiple people in the ring and keep them in that one-on-one format um, in order to make sure that yeah, or a tag match in order to make sure that he's protected by all parties because a war games match is not the place where you're going to protect that an asset of that level and he will be an asset he just needs that experience you don't want him caught in a situation where he effectively looks like Steve-O in the ring with Omaga you know so oh yeah that's that's what happened in the women's <laughs> <laughs> well Steve-O got beat up by Omaga no you just reminded me you just reminded me mm. <laughs> Are you going to enlighten Io Shirai decided she's going to put a trash can over her and do a flying crossbody into everyone. Which, we said Steve, it reminds me of Jackass. <laughs> ah, fair play. How did that go? Yeah, did it win? Down like a lead balloon. Like, I didn't get it. I thought it took away from the spot completely, but yeah. Mm, fair play. And that's our um, that's our hashing it through war games. NXT, <laughs> right there. Um, I mean, start, start, start big, right? I mean, that's, I mean like, that's what we've done. I've been having these weird dreams of not been sleeping properly. Weird dreams. Yeah, these three, three figures of like I don't, I don't understand it myself. Okay. It's like a reoccurring. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. I've been sleeping great, mate. I've just been. I'm happy just for you. Straight <laughs> <laughs> I'm I've happy for been... you because oh. yeah, this is weird. Fair play. Um, well, um, are we? Well, how are we feeling break wise? Are you good? Or I can do with the coffee. You do with a coffee. Yeah. We are gonna take a break right now, and then we're gonna come back with NXT. Uh, well, sorry, AEW. Well, we've talked enough NXT so far. AEW, Kenny Omega, um, all that malarkey um, with Impact. Oh, Don Callis. Good stuff. <laughs> and yeah, um, maybe we should have started with that. Who knows? But, <laughs> 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 but 
but yeah, we're just gonna you guys you guys keep listening because yeah, we have we have lots of fun stuff happening today on today's very special episode of I think his idea was to do a podcast in the morning. I love it, mate. I love it. I'm on my A game. Right, see you guys later. Hey, it's me, Jesse the Body Ventura. Malfunctioning robots, Democrat circuits not playing well with traditional American ideals. There's a conspiracy going on. A conspiracy against your wallet. Well, come to Jesse the Body Ventura's Robot Body Shop Emporium off Route 95 between Dimension C64 and the Snarflurk home planet. All hail King Snarflurk. I've recently become the proud owner of 340 soiled robot duplicates that definitely need to go away, and I'm passing the saving on to you! Including Dino Bravo Bot, Predator Bot, Chico Santana Bot, and everybody's favorite robot, Linda McMahon. But that's not all. We also have many of your black market, technically illicit wrestling and celebrity memorabilia included, but not limited to Thargoid Wrestling's Witch Nebula Championship Thorax Strap. The Tuning Exam Championship Belt from the Naruto Dimension. The Progress Wrestling Championship Staff. Mae Young's Hand. And unseen footage of Ric Flair wrestling as Spartacus from the Jim Hurd Dimension. Plus, order today to get tickets to the observation deck of Satellite 316 for WrestleMania 300. First class seats to see the Eterna clone of Best in the Multiverse Shane McMahon take on Son of 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 John Cena. Hulk Hogan's Brain in a Jar fight genetic hybrid Martin Luther King Booker in a Loser Gets Raised from History match. And The Undertaker rises from his cryo-casket once more to face his worst enemy yet, the psychic entity known as Shigarth. I'm going to be there, watching you. I will get to you. I'm going to be there, watching you. WWE Champion Locke Bresner faces the winner of this year's historic over-the-top rope 30 Roman Reigns Royal Rumble. Sign up to the WWE Cyber Network today for just 999DX dollars and get your first 30 days free! We have parking to cater for users of both the Mycelial Network and Interdimensional Portal Guns, so don't be shy, come join us today! Warning, soil may mean contaminated. Sunny bot may be covered in shleem. Interdimensional travel may not be covered by your license HMO. Snarflurds are dangerous and should not be approached. Linda McMahon may not be a robot. Satellite 316 exists in the jurisdiction of WWE Universe and is therefore surrounded by a parental guidance field. Any mention of Dean Ambrose will lead to extermination. Welcome back to JFABE. It's um, Rich and Jay here, just kicking it old school style. We're going to... We're going to talk about some AEW, we're going to talk about some other bits. Um, yeah, we've still got a great show going on. Um, obviously, Kenny Omega, he went and did his um, did his thing on Impact. Stalled us for another week. Um, That's funny, yeah, because he's right. Canadian. <laughs> so were the Rujos. <laughs> um, but yeah, it works. Yeah, so lots of interesting stuff going on. Um, obviously, Sting appeared to, um, you know, pay homage to um, to Cody in the in the culturally accepted way of acting like their best friends on telly, so that Cody feels like he's validated. So yeah, all worked. Oh, all worked that was really. that was fun. I liked I liked how he, how he said, said what he said, not the what he, what he did. If you know what I mean, and the way he said it. 
Um, I think we'll definitely go more into that fairly shortly. So, um, yeah, quite a bit to talk about in the in the second hour today. So, um, not expecting anything much to um, to really crop up and confuse us. Oh, it's the where the fuck is Taz line. That's um, a bit of a blast from the past. <laughs> All right, yeah, shit, fuck it, let's do it. An inmate from the PSRB 1509-58 prison colony is calling you. His name is... God damn it, MGF, you know my name. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, it's Taz. If you would like to accept the call, please say MJF is irrevocably invited to attend the 2020 JFabe Christmas Special and also have a supporting role. Oh, for fuck's sake, Taz, what have you got on us into this time? And also, who the fuck says 2020? It's 2020. And what a dick. Don't forget, the inmate... God damn it, MGF, you know my name. Oh, for sake. It's Taz. It's waiting. Oh, what a shitty dick. Alright, um, MJF is irrevocably invited to attend the 2020 JFabe Christmas special and also have a supporting role. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. MJF is irrevocably invited to attend the 2020 JFabe Christmas special and also have a supporting role. Aw, oh, thanks you guys. Okay, here's... God damn it, MGF, you know my name. It's Taz. Connecting you now. Taz. Uh, welcome, welcome back to the show, mate. Uh, so, you're back in prison, then? Yep, back in the AEW prison. Old Jacksonville janky town. The big, <laughs> um, hand... Look on the bright side, mate. I hear that if you get one more stamp on your visits to prison card, you get a free intercontinental title run. Oh, yeah, sweet. No, I know Vince McMahon still on those shows. Isn't that right, Jeff? He's... Oh, oh, he's... He's in, he's in the pool of his own vomit. Never mind. Okay, so, um, Rich, <laughs> I, I'm calling you for a reason. Is it by any chance to play Where the Fuck is Taz? Before you start, Jay, the answer is not prison. Okay. Well, it kind of is, mate. <laughs> so anyway, remember how last year at the Christmas special, 2019, you were in the retardist for all that time? Oh yeah, you mean the um, extravaganza that we pulled last year that was just the most amazing, amazing um, three hours of podcasting that anyone's ever heard. Um, had a space battle at the end and everything. Available now at anchor.fm forward slash jfabe. Dude, do you ever feel dirtier than little Mondo's? browser history uh, uh allegedly taz allegedly fictional character can say what i want hang on wait when did we all get so self-aware anyway well according to the future version of dominic mysterio i shipped in the lunch line yesterday we've gotten more and more <laughs> matter as time's gone on apparently season three gets even worse okay then fair enough um right so let's play where the fuck is taz no let's actually talk about the thing that i ranked talk fine about. Whatever wacky space <laughs> adventure you're on now. Great. So, you remember when you went in the retardus, um, like in last year's episode? So, do you have the telephone number for the retardus that Jesse the Bad Adventurer gave you? Yeah, of course. Um, I've got it saved in my phone. Hang on. Right then. Um, do you have a pen with you? Um, even better than that, I have a shiv 
um, the aforementioned Shiv actually, and an unconscious Juventud Guerrera who was once arrested for being high on PCP and running naked through a hotel. Allegedly. No, it pretty much happened. So I'm just going to carve it into his back. Okay, so there's a lot of alien symbols here. Yeah, it's fine. Just tell me what you see. Crab, crab, bottle of dog food. Um, this looks, looks like a wizard. A shining wizard? No, no, just a regular wizard. Three deer playing craps? Oh, yeah, crap deer, yep. Jay dressed as the king of the Aztecs for some reason? Yeah, I hear that's like a season four thing. The 1987 Denver Broncos. 87 or 88? Yeah, sorry, my mistake. Looks like they're a bunch of losers and um, really sad for not making the playoffs. Definitely 88. <laughs> I wrote that joke so I like football. A five-stage diagram of the floss. Okay, and a five-stage diagram of the flesh. Um, I seem to be missing um, a temporal dialing code. Oh, is it supposed to have one of those? Of course it needs one of those. If you don't have a temporal dialing code, it could ring the retardist at any time. I'm supposed to be ringing to get my rescue here. Well, so- sorry, it looks like I forgot to take it. Ugh, fine, I'll just have to guess it next week on jfabe at anchor.fm forward slash jfabe. Okay, show. Where the fuck is Taz? Where the fuck is Taz? some research and now it's time to play where the fuck is Taz I don't know I'm gonna let you in on a little secret here but okay I'm not always the places that are the answers in where the fuck is Taz it's more of a quiz format I don't know if you realize that like originally right, let's play where the fuck is Taz yeah let's let's play where the fuck is Taz right right um, how's, how's life going out in the uh, out, outside of the outside of the Big Easy, man? Well, you know, it's um, like being in the Big Easy. Yeah, because of lockdown. <laughs> a little bit of lockdown, a little bit of lockdown, a lot of lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, I hear, yeah, I hear it gets better in 2021, or or it gets even better in 2021, or it gets worse um, depending on the decisions that we all make now. Um, so I'm pretty sure that like I'm sure it'll be fine. So twenty sure twenty five, everything will be okay. 
Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, just, just out of interest, um, how do you like how do you like ice cream that eats people? Like, like I'm talking zombie ice cream. Because if you're okay with that, then 2025 is exactly 2025 will be fine. You'll be, you'll be great. Excellent, great. excellent. Um, just, yeah, just look, just look out for swimming pools in um, 2026 um, because of the Superman area. But other than that, we're fine. Um, so anyway, moving on. Um, let's let's play where the fuck is Ted? Are you ready to play where the fuck is Ted? I am ready to play. Where the fuck is Tess? Let's play. Where the fuck is Tess? Okay, so. <clears throat> three questions. Gonna ask them to you. I'll ask you the first th I'll ask you three questions. And then um, when we get to the third, when we get past the second question, <laughs> I'm forgetting the rules. It's, it's, my, it's my fucking show. <laughs> um, <laughs> my fucking game. There you go. So when I ask the second question, a countdown will start. Halfway through that countdown, I will ask you the third and final question. And at the end, you have to tell me exactly where the fuck Taz is. I can tell you that at the moment, it is an arena. So, let's play where the fuck is Taz. Okay, so, clue number one. This bird, this bird air designed dome was made up of Teflon cloned fiberglass and weighed 257 short tons. Excellent. Next clue. <laughs> this Indianapolis based dome was demolished in December 20, 2008 by implosion and its construction cost 77.5 million US dollars in August of 1984. And I am going Fantastic. to... <laughs> I am going to ask Richard to find the countdown sound effect because obviously with me being in prison, I can't find it myself. Would really help if he had already already found it. Um, I'm sure he would be pleased at that, but he he didn't. I'm assuming because it is not playing right now. So um, yeah, let's. Should we pretend that it's playing? I'm gonna pretend it's playing. Um, that's probably gonna be easier than waiting for Richard to do his fucking job. Yeah, you will go quiet, <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to assume hey, countdown's going on somewhere, um, and, uh, and that at least the audience at home can hear it. So, I will say that the final clue is that WrestleMania 8 happened there. Can I have a bow, please? Bow, please, Sam. WrestleMania? What was the name of the arena? The WrestleMania 8 happened in Jay. Final answer, here we go. Don't Google! I can hear you Googling! Where the fuck is Taz, Taz? Taz is at the Hoosier Dome. <laughs> so we all know what that means. Great. Jay hates Jay hates the Hoosier Dome, ladies and gentlemen. Jay hates the Hoosier Dome, and by it. association, the whole state of Indianapolis fucking hates it. Fucking hates it. 
So, yeah, what are you doing with the rest of your day then, Jay? Tell me all about it. The rest of my well, day. It's got to be something interesting. Oh, I might go for a walk, Taz. <laughs> oh, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds like something I wish I could do. You know it's hell here. Guys, and if you have any contact with anybody um, who has a retardish or any way to break me out of here, this place is hell. It's just like Orange is the New Black. Okay, inmates, the Winter Dance and Talent Show is going to be happening very, very soon. So please, grab your partner and get ready to do si -do. There will be orange drinks served, along with free complimentary fruit bowls available in the lunch hall. Those monsters! Now to get you all in the mood, it's Lady in Red by Christy Berg. Er, uh, you see? It's torture, guys. It's torture. These guys are worse than the Iranians or the Saudi Arabians. Um, I don't think they treat their prisoners that badly, by the sounds of it. Even worse, the only women here to take to the dance are 36 different instances of Sunny. <laughs> yeah, she's been to prison a lot. Anyway, Taz, we've got to go. Yeah, I wasted all my minutes this week on that stupid game, so, yeah. Catch you soon, guys. The wireless customer you are calling is not available. Please try again later. Taz, ladies and gentlemen, Taz. Harrowing stuff. So, um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do it. I'd, I'd, I'd give that a 7 out of 10. I reckon that was an alright episode of Where the Fuck Is Taz. Sorry, I couldn't find it the sound okay. effects, but I'll add them in post. It's fine. So, yeah. Cool. Moving on. Um, right then, AEW. What's going on with AEW, mate? Stuff's happening. Uh, nice, <laughs> nice. AEW seems to have a working relationship with Impact at the moment. Yeah, of course. Um, Kenny, o Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, of course. Did his thing on Impact. Yeah, he appeared on Impact um, this week on Tuesday. Seems to be that working relationship um, now. Some people predicted that his intention was to just go over to Impact and say a few words and then fuck off. Um, it looks like what he's trying to do is this kind of quest for gold parody. Oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> this Quest for Gold parody um, seems to be what he's going for. And I say parody, it's probably not a parody, but um, effectively, yeah. What are your thoughts on Kenny Omega going around the world and trying to get as many belts as he can? I feel like this has been done before. Has it? I mean, Austin Aries did it like, not long ago. But hey, um, he's got a back injury. It's not the best time. For him to be go traveling the world and collecting all these titles and having to defend all these different titles with different promotions. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean it's a great idea. It's a great idea, but injury wise, it's probably not the best timing. Yeah, if you were going to tell this story, um, I think what you'd do is you'd probably have him lose the title match and then lose his actual title to Hangman Page at this stage. Um, I think that would be the logical way, and then put him off for injury. Um, maybe use. But will Hangman join the Dark Order? Will Hangman join the Dark Order? That is an interesting question. Um, that's been teased recently, has it? Yeah, again, but in a more comical way this time. Yeah. And also, Dustin Rhodes as well. He was like, Dustin Rhodes, he was like, take your right place to seven in the Dark Order. Oh, yeah. Obviously referencing his old character in WCW. Yeah. 
That would be quite funny, actually. <laughs> do you think that? Do you think that he's up for one last run as seven? I don't think he's up for any run. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know. The guy can still do a code red, so you know. That's he sits on someone's back and they jump backwards. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's effectively <laughs> that's effectively being able to like run a mile, isn't it? In wrestling terms, at least according to a lot of these kayfabe loving smarks. Oh my god, you can do a Canadian destroyer. He is the best wrestler ever. <laughs> Well, that's how it works nowadays. Like, if you could do it, like, I, let's talk about kayfabe. Actually, um, what is going on with the smarks in wrestling at this stage? Because it seems that people seem to be existing in two spec, like, like, like they're like people existing in two spaces at <laughs> <of> time. <laughs> well, this, again, again, I'm not throwing shade to anything. I genuinely am not. But it seems like there's this quantum Schrodinger's smark thing going off, where people are like, on the one hand, they they look at the wrestling like it's 100% legit, as in the in-ring action. But then they look at all the storyline like, oh yeah, it's obviously fake. So you get these dichotomous situations where it's like um, Dustin Dustin Runnels isn't past it. Um, he's 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 amazing. He did a code red, and it's like, but but a code red, as you've so rightfully pointing out, is literally just sitting on someone's back while they do a backflip, effectively. Basically. Yeah. So he's not really doing no, anything. No, he's just he's just getting in your standard. Weight, weight, momentum. And that's it. Yeah, he's just getting in. It's just basically, um, if it if if it wasn't for the slam at the end, he's just doing. Um, he's just doing a San Francisco. Effectively, it's like Cody doing a Cody cut. Yeah, he's just doing a San Francisco salad bar that you see in any kind of garden gay porn. So, I mean, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, it's it's not it's not a it's not a show of his it's not a show of his in ring acumen or ability at this stage is what I'm saying I suppose um, he's all right but and, and he can still he's got great cardio um, and he can still put on a uh, put on a great match and doesn't need carrying through. He's using the bulldog again. That's a throwback. That a throwback. As a finisher. Yeah. Wow. Well, mm. Yeah, so the weakest bulldog in the game, but yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's more of a face plant. Not They're a calling bulldog. it the face plant. Why is bulldog copyrighted it, or something? It's basically a face plant. Mm. What he's doing, it's not a bulldog. He grabs him by the head and jumps forward. It's not really a bulldog. Mm. No, it's, it's, it just sounds really weird when you're called a bulldog a face plant, isn't it? Next week, by the way, we'll be talking about so. the history of the British face plants. Um, a tag team from... No, no, I'm joking, of course. Uh, we wouldn't talk about the British Bulldogs. Totally. Um, cool. Um, yeah, uh, Sting, what about his appearance? How are you feeling about Sting's appearance? Did his job, didn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, he, he came down, he did the whole it Sting thing with Tony Schiavone, mm. but he had this whole sarcastic demeanour to him and everything he was saying. Okay, I mean, uh, see, I'm I'm very much against the idea of Sting having a mic in his hand. You just want him to turn up, not say anything, point his back. Well, leads. that's kind of what made him successful. You know, um, like there was a lot of kind of putting the um, 
you know. See, we, we, we've seen two different stings. You was there when Sting was becoming the crow and doing his thing where he was in the rafters, didn't say anything, dropped out from the rafters, hit people in the back, went back up again. Yeah, but I mean, that was whatever. the majority of his run as the crow. Um, the the mm. latest stuff was... And then Wolfpack happened. Yeah, and effectively that was when the ratings started. He stopped being a successful character, effectively. Um, anyway... Um, the mind TNA thing, and he spoke all the time, so I'm used to him on the mic. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and cutting great promos. And I mean, he's not bad. Well, we'll say he's great not, promos. He's not but... bad on the mic. It's just, as I say, I, I don't know. Maybe you have got to kind of bring in some of those TNA elements with Sting at this stage because you know, just standing there and then coming down and kicking ass probably isn't the best thing that he can do, um, given his advanced years. But yeah, it's interesting. But the fact he was all like, I'm not here for you, and the similarities with Darby Allen being up in, by himself, being a loner. Mm. So he's he basically going to do something with Darby Allen. Yeah, I think that But was the way he, he was hugging, hugging um, Cody Rhodes mm. was quite interesting, quite telling. Are we going to see you heel sting this time? I would. Is he actually going to I would him? love to see a heel sting. I think it'd be a really good place to take the character. Because that's something we haven't had, is really. Mm. Not really. Like a tweener, maybe, but never full heel. Yeah, definitely not on as big a platform as that. Definitely not. Um, I think interesting, interesting thing to really do at this stage um, is to go segment by segment, nice and easy, um, with ratings. AEW Dynamite's ratings um, have been published along with NXT's and compared by the good people at WrestlingInc.com. So, segment one, um, the Young Bucks versus the Hybrid 2 um, was what AEW Dynamite led their show with, whereas NXT led with Finn Balor, Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, and Damian Priest and Scarlett um, in a segment with Dunne and Kelly and Dane. Um, out of these two segments, we had... Um, 934,000 viewers in the opening match for the Young Bucks versus the Hybrid 2, whereas NXT, 782,000 viewers. Um, key demographics there, um, 531,000 for AEW. This is the 18-49 bracket, whereas NXT had 231,000. So you're getting a pretty substantial difference um, with the starting match there. 934,000 viewers. Um, any thoughts on these two segments from what you've seen? Young Bucks versus um, Hybrid 2. From what I've seen. Um, AEW all the way on that one. Yeah. So it was a great opening. And I mean, more wrestling, what more do you want? Yeah, I think this is. I think this is again. You've 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 been pointing out NXT's perchance to um, go back into um, basically old territory um, with how they approach stuff and starting off NXT with a um, with what is effectively a talking segment, um, which is what they did, um, and then expecting to retain the same amount of viewers as a match between the Young Bucks and the Hybrid Two, which. Granted, the hybrid two are a bit goofy and a bit botch prone, but ultimately, if I switch on a wrestling show and my choice is to watch a wrestling match or to watch a load of people stand in the ring and talk, you're gonna kind watch of match. Go, gonna go, yeah, gonna go with the match. Gonna go with the match. Um, this continued on um, into quarter two, um, where Jake Atlas um, versus Isaiah Scott. 
and then there was a Tommaso Champa promo with Grizzle Young Veterans versus Everise versus Imperium um, in a triple threat tag match. So you had loads of matches kind of thrown into this segment too with NXT, um, and they actually lost viewers during that segment. Um, 615,000 viewers, that's down 167, whereas... Almost by exactly the same amount, 135,000 people tuned in to AEW Dynamite to watch a Darby Allen promo with a Sting and Cody segment. Um, actually, for the first time in the evening, putting AEW Dynamite over a million viewers for that segment. Um, yep. Again, because Sting, Sting's is... going to bring these people in. It's yeah. Every single segment, he will now be the highest person being the most watched person on the program yeah and it's it's really really good really good booking um and putting that in nxt can't really can't really face that um and and that kind of bleeds into the next segment as well um where ftr varsity blonde and blondes and a hangman page interview um keep it up at that million point for the rest of that first hour um obviously in quarter four, you've got Dustin Rhodes versus um, Ten, and then you've got um, Shaq and Brandy Rhodes again upping that viewers. At this point, NXT is in freefall in comparison. Um, you've got them dropping down to six hundred thousand viewers by the end of the hour with a Tommaso Ciampa versus Cameron Grimes match, and they never really recover from that. They never really recover back up to that 187,000 um, viewers that they started off with. Um, yeah, there's some high points. People do tune in for the main event um, or the last couple of matches where you've got um, where you've got um, Dane and Dunn, um, 644,000 viewers, and that's, that's kind of going up again. But by the end, they top out at 665,000 viewers. Meanwhile, for the second hour... With an inner circle segment, an FTR interview, and um, a three-way match between Lance Archer, the Lucha Brothers, Eddie Kingston, Butcher and Blade, um, and then later going into a six, uh, then later finishing off that match and going into a Kenny Omega and Don Callis statement segment that's still hot from his Impact appearance, and finishing it off with a match between MJF and Orange Cassidy. For that second hour, they keep a consistent nine hundred and seventy-one thousand viewers. So. Quality wise, what more is there to say, Jay? Like, viewer wise, AEW better. It's wrestling better wise, AEW better. Yeah, they yeah. actually killed it. Mm. The amount of shit we're throwing at AEW, they've been able to fix it all, apart from the women's division. Yeah, the women's division is still a bit of a problem. I'm worried about these things like um, Shaq <coughs> and Sting um, a little bit um, because I very often feel that we're getting a lot of flash with no meat, um, if that makes sense. You know, a lot of sizzle, no steak um, with some of these things. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal on a wrestling show in 2020, if WWE were doing it, everyone would be on Twitter saying, why are WWE getting Shaq on? This is stupid. That's what happened. That happened already. When Shaq was meant to face Big Show. Exactly. Exactly. One hundred percent my point. Um whereas he's now on AEW and everybody's talking about it like it's the Like it's bikes. never happened before, like no one's ever brought in an outside sport <laughs> entertainer 
or personality into wrestling. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and that seems to be the that seems to be the flavour, and I, it concerns me. It concerns me. But ultimately, when the in-ring product is as good as it is, and the pacing of the show overall is that good that it can retain a million viewers for two hours when there's another WWE-backed wrestling show on TV. Um, AEW are winning this war, and they are winning it substantially, so much so that, um, well, uh, this might not have direct influence, but apparently Keith Lee is has been sent back to the Performance Center along with many other WWE stars in order to tighten up his game after Vince McMahon went absolutely ballistic backstage at a Monday Night Raw taping. Um, apparently, McMahon is going a bit crazy. At these, Have you heard anything about this? No, no, I have not. Um, this is news that's come out today on Saturday. Um, Keith Lee News. Let me just... Um, so this is the big story um, this is the big story coming out um, today effectively um, in a move that upends everything we thought we knew about Vince McMahon the WWE chairman and CEO has reportedly demanded nearly all the big men on the WWE roster including the beloved internet darling Keith Lee go back to wrestling class to learn how to deliver a better work rate Dave Meltzer reported the news like this um, in his latest issue of the Wrestling um, Observer newsletter Um, How the hell can Keith Lee supply a better work rate when he's always giving it over 100% Exactly he's flashing it uh, sorry he is smashing it Um, I mean Well, let's just um, cut to Dave Meltzer's quote about this. Okay, here we go. Vince McMahon threw a fit about the working ability of certain guys on the main roster. Mad in particular about some of the big guys. He ordered some of the guys back to the performance center with two classes per week with Adam Pearce and Drew Gulak as instructors. Um... Over at PW Insider, Mike Johnson spilled the beans on the names of the people who will be included. Um, <clears throat> indeed, um, Otis, Keith Lee, Dabo Cato, Dio Madden, and Omos are among the contingent that the company has been working with on improving and refining their work inside the ring, with those talents taking part in regular workouts at WWE Performance Center on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But. <laughs> Maybe some of those names Where's in there. That come yeah, from? fine. But Keith Lee, I don't get it. Yeah, um, I mean it, the the article. This is at bleedingcall.com, by the way. Um, many go, goes on to say that many fans will find this report shocking for two reasons. First, because Keith Lee is widely regarded as one of the best wrestlers currently in the WWE, which I think is fair. I mean, the guy's That's got fair. the guy's yeah. got game, and the guy has got tenure. Um, and when I say tenure, I mean tenure within the industry, not tenure within the... Um, and, sec- and no one has ever questioned his working ability. Secondly, because Vince McMahon has spent four decades convincing everyone that he seems to prefer large, beefy men with no wrestling ability over high work rate internet darlings. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so... Well, he did call WWE WWF when he was introducing The Undertaker, so... Maybe he's got Alzheimer's in his yeah, screen. But, and, he, and, but anyway, yeah. last on the screen was the Undertaker. 
maybe yeah it's just mental yeah maybe like, he's just going a bit mental he doesn't look like he knows where he is sometimes <laughs> oh exactly um it, the the article finishes with of course Vince McMahon's idea of working likely differs from the idea of wrestling sparks maybe Vince feels Lee doesn't know how to work because he doesn't wrestle like Vince thinks a fat guy should but then why is Otis who most certainly wrestles the WWE fat guy style on the list as well Vince McMahon surely is an an enigma wrapped in a mystery although don't call it an enigma burrito he wouldn't know what that was. Um, yeah, pretty good writing there from Breedingcool.com. <laughs> I like that callback to 2019's burrito scandal. God, that was a slow news week, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just find this fairly shocking. Um, Keith Lee's money. Maybe maybe it is a case of he does he's, he's worried about the cardio or something. He's just gonna what so? So what happens after this? Like, does he put him down the card? What? Put him into the mid card? Disappears. Um, Keep it. Yeah, I think I think what you I think what you're gonna end up is he's gonna continue utilizing. Um, is going to continue utilising, I imagine, but um, who knows what after that. We lost you for a second there, Jay, but I believe you're back now. Um, yeah, the other rumours that are happening is that The Rock may um, be returning um, at some point. Um, so, rumours of the day, and this is 2020. Um, this is, sorry, um, 12 for the 12, 2020. Um, so Wrestling Observer Newsletter is saying that The Rock has said he is willing to come back to wrestle Roman Reigns, but not until WrestleMania in 2022. Any interest in that, Jay? Not really. No. If, if, if The Rock's uh, going to go against Roman Reigns, it has to be, has to be next WrestleMania. It can't be 2022. Yeah. Because I don't, by that time, I don't, mm. his story as Chief of the Table probably would have run its course. Yeah, I don't see him retaining the amount of heat that he's got um, up to WrestleMania, um, WrestleMania in 2022. I can see the WWE thinking that that story still has gas and just running it into the ground, um, very much as they did with Shield Roman done good, um, which they were literally plugging for six years. So, what can you say? Um, other rumours include that um, despite all the talk... Daniel Bryan and Blue Drew McIntyre, Blue McIntyre, are forerunners to be Reigns' opponent at WrestleMania 37 next year. So, out of the two of them, Drew McIntyre or Dan or D. Bry, who do you reckon is going to be the better fit for that match? I like to see um, Drew McIntyre again. Mm. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed them. their match. It, yeah, yeah, great match. Amazing. Um, Daniel Bryan can always put on a great match, but I'd like to see Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns yeah, again. With, they know they've got this chemistry, this unmatched chemistry. Yeah, you've got to really capitalise on that. The thing about Daniel Bryan is it's not that hard. Uh, like, There's a formula with Daniel Bryan now. Um, you either shockingly turn him heel and then do a slow face turn um, in the build-up to WrestleMania, or alternatively... You um, tell the underdog story again, and everyone will get behind it because it's Daniel fucking Bryan. 
Um, it's not that hard to build up to, and he will probably be capable of doing that story for the next 10 years. Drew McIntyre at the moment is still ultimately establishing himself, and to get another couple of matches like that out of him within the next six months will be the thing that cements him in a permanent spot in the main on the main roster and possibly even puts him into that um, babyface top-of-the-mountain position that WWE spent six years trying and failing to get um, Roman Reigns in artificially. So that's that's my thoughts on that. Um, and I'm pretty sure Jay will agree I hit the nail on the head there. Um, thanks, Rich. It's all right. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, there's apparently a belief um, among people that one of the reasons why Otis is sent back was in regards to working safer. Um, again, this is from Cage Side Seats, so I'm not quite sure. Um, but Otis was added to that list in order to get him to work safer. So that's their take on, on the um, cardio thing. Um, the the working out of the performance center thing, and finally, um, Bobby Fisher's injury isn't considered serious, and he is expected to miss about eight weeks, um, as per Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer. And that, mm, and Bobby Fish is injured is again. Much everything. Never is he ever going to get well, a singles title. Yeah. <laughs> no WWE. There's no chance. Yeah. He's, in, he's, he's injured all the time, like every single year, twice. Um, you wouldn't. It's just like, which is sad because Bobby Fisher is a yeah, great wrestler. You, you wouldn't trust him with it. He's a great wrestler, but I mean, obviously, if he's getting injured that much, you know what I mean. Maybe he's either wrestling the wrong type of match, or like, should he be working in matches that are that unsafe? Um, because obviously or is he doesn't it just have time the body for Bobby type because he's getting so old yeah he's getting old he's, he, all the all the injuries like the past couple of years it has been twice a year where he's had a substantial amount of time off yeah. because of injuries I mean ultimately but obviously ultimately you, at that level I mean Ultimately, you're seeing um, you're seeing this quite a lot with people in NXT. I mean, Bobby Fish at the end of the day is 44 years old. Um, usually, in someone like a John Cena or a Chris Jericho, you would see their style start to change at this stage and become um, a safer, more map-based working style. Um, it's the transition that you mentioned just last week that AJ Styles has been moving towards, but they're in. NXT and the style in NXT is traditionally very spot heavy especially in these big multi-man matches so ultimately it could just be that the environment isn't conducive to Bobby Fish um, considering where he's currently wrestling but then what what's the solution to that because he wouldn't make it on the main roster at this stage, he doesn't have the name recognition I don't think, um, out of everyone within the um, within the um, what are they called? Not the Inner Circle. Whatever his team are called. Undisputed Era. I'm wearing their t-shirt. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, with the um, like out of all of the people in Undisputed Era, he's probably going to be the one who's going to who would fail at that transition into being a single star on the main roster the most. I think. Um, yeah, I. 
I think this is part and parcel of the having older, more experienced wrestlers on NXT, but still keeping the style almost conducive to the young 25-year-old up-and-comer. Um, you're going to get more injuries. Tommaso Ciampa's definitely felt that. Bobby Fish definitely feels that. Um, and I think there are quite a few other older wrestlers who definitely feel that on that roster. But sometimes it's like a style that they're used to, a style that they've been doing for so many years. Mm. It's probably, it might be harder to switch up. Yeah, it's understandable. Because they want to give give their fans basically what, what they're used to seeing. That's But if you if Bobby Fish would be able to would be able to pull off a ground game quite easily. Yeah, he would be. Um it'd be more than he uses, he uses ground ground quite a lot anyway. Yeah. Um I, it seems to be that he does get injured in these big matches where it is people doing backflips off the top of two story cages and um, you know, throwing throwing ring steps at each other and all that kind of stuff. It does seem to be those kind of spot heavy multi man matches where this where this type of injury does happen for him. So maybe it is a case of just utilising the talent where it should be. Um, yeah, Jay Fabe. Um, we are going to call it a day for today. Um, Jay, we had lots of fun, lots of laughs. Um, anything to say to the guys? Bye, everybody. Dear me. Yeah, definitely... Um, yeah, definitely stick around past the credits for some very. Well, I've been full of conversations today, as you can yeah, tell. Yeah, no, you've been pretty good. You've been pretty good. I, I, I think, um, I think one day we will find a time when we are both fully awake and conscious and sober, and then we'll both just be animated and talking over each other. I think that's what will happen. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, be good fun. Be good fun. Um, cool. Well, other than that, we are available at anchor.fm forward slash jfabe. J is available on Twitter at. I am not a robot. Um, the O's are zeros. Um, I am at not a time duke, and of course we have at time duke Taz. Shout out to Mitch, um, Jay, Mitch, Any, Mitch. Anything else to say before we leave those leave those pretty people to their day? We'll be back next week. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Indeed, indeed. Fully appreciated. Indeed. Thanks for. Thanks, thanks, America. Thanks, America. <laughs> Britain, anywhere else. Um, yeah, the Snarflerg dimension. It's all good. It's all good. Hong Kong. It's all good. Cool. Your last podcast episode had over 7 billion listeners in the first few days alone. How are the numbers looking back on Earth? Yeah, um, they're, yeah, about the same. P- people love it here. Um, they totally get it. The wrestling world have embraced our sci-fi wrestling podcast, as we're calling it. It's totally working. Well, that's just awesome. Why are you finally bothering to call me? Well, here's the thing. We need a favour. We kind of need a narrator. A narrator? Hmm. Well, I did used to do commentary. You know that, right? Of course I know that. If I remember correctly, I'm the guy who set you up with a job. Okay, listen. I'm recording this thing at the moment with um, this Ira Glass bot guy. Oh my god. What? Is it? Is it this Snarflogian life? <laughs> As a matter of fact, it actually is. That's my favourite quantum radio station. Have you actually met Ira Glassbot? Screw it, of course you have. Jay, you ever heard of this Snarflogian life? Jay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I've picked someone up along the way. 
Maybe you don't mind. It's not that. Listen, we've just finished recording for the day. Ira and his crew have just left. So I should be able to lock this place up. I've got one last jump in my Vortex manipulator. I will need recharging off your Retardus engine. Yeah, that's no problem. It's probably been a while since you've seen one. Not as long as you think. Um, do you have any other passengers that I don't know about? It's just us. Two robot duplicates of us, which, by the way, banging job. And um, between you and me, I finally caught it. Taz? Yeah, he's so pissed. Oh, bring your robot fixing kit. We're going to be passing your way in about oh, five minutes. You're about to travel into dimensionally? Yeah, Jay's interested in the Naomi dimension for some reason, so we're going there shortly. Cheers, mate. Happy to do a flyover. Oh, and I did miss you, mate. Okay, Jesse. This is the moment it's all been leading up to. You can do this. One last ride. Hello? Who's back there? Stop playing that piano. It's a hardy compound original. We're closing down permanently from today. You can't be here. Cool, blimey. I didn't think I could play piano. I think it's the glove doing this. Nigel. Huh. Deep down, I always knew you'd come. To what do I owe this pleasure? So you know who I am then? Ah, this is the first time you've met me. From the times I've met you in the past, I've got an idea. Well, I'm glad I bumped into you then. Me to ask you about... Your memories. I know. It's like I can't remember anything. I just woke up somewhere on a beach with, like, amnesia. And, to be honest, I reckon you might be... It's not something I solved today. But I'll solve it next time you meet me. I have a bigger journey to go on today. Why? What happens today? And why are you looking so mardy about it? You know, it's funny. I thought today would never come. But then, as expected, Rich called me. Hasn't spoken to me in 20 years. Invited me to be his narrator. Travel with him. Him. Jay. Taz. Oh, mate. That means... And history has taught me that I never come back. Well, never say never, mate. Do you know what the worst thing about time travel is? I'm all ears. I've been dealing with this for a long time now, so please understand this on every conceivable level. You think that it's going to be easy. You're just going to jump in your retardus and fly around the universe and... Time travel means no consequences, or so you think. But what it really means is that everything means more. I have to be six or seven steps ahead for any of it to even make any sense. Causality just pulls you along. And in a way, we're all just dealing with the fallout of two men's decision to relive the 80s on a whim. And what I've learned since they made that decision is that changing history is the one decision that you can't unmake. It feels like a lifetime ago. Hell, feels like three. To me, it's all as fresh as a daisy. Then let me give you a word of advice. 
logic tells me exactly what's going to happen when I get in that retardus. I know that there's going to be a calamity. I know one universe is going to end. And another one's going to begin. I know that a chain of events will happen. And my experience tells me that I don't come back. But I also know, no matter how many times I try to break the chain, it will remain intact. It's a fixed point in time. So I'll transport onto the retardus today, like I did last time, and like I will next time. And wherever you came from, Mr. McGuinness, your destiny in this chain is unavoidable. And it has one last requirement you need to fulfill to finish my story. What's that then? The glove you used to get here today is one of a pair. And together, they have the power to rewrite memories and hijack dreams. Something neither Tony Khan or Vince McMahon should ever have. And if you leave them both here on this day, they never will. I'm told it'll bring forth a calamity. It'll bring about the end of a calamity. And begin a fresh one. Your stolen retardus will be left unattended in the parking lot by the organization. The power to control the narrative of this universe is more powerful than any retardus. But if I leave them, anyone could get their hands on them. What kind of universe would that create? Hopefully one with more accountability than this one. We can't let the dreams and riddles of their universe go unchecked, or havoc will be everywhere. And with the gloves that control history on my wall, your story will continue. Ah, but someone tea-leafed me key that did. Stole it from in front of my physog. Nothing's ever stolen, really. Just borrowed. That's my ride. This key will get you into the retardus. Lock the body shop up for me before you leave. You trusted me to lock up the body shop. I'm trusting you to leave the gloves. There's only one key on this key ring. How can it work on both doors? Stop asking why all the time. Just let the flow of time take you. And when the season changes and the rain stops falling, try to stop being a doctor. You can't fix everyone. Maybe look to community for a bit of inspiration. And never become a family guy. Okay, Jesse. Time for one last run. Here we go. He left me with the body shot keys. I... He never let anyone else lock up. Which family are you loyal to, Nigel? Just let the flow of time take you. 